What's up, everyone? Welcome to Simulation. I'm your host, Alan Sakyan. Super pumped to be talking about Ascension and Quantum Leaps. We have Sydney <laughs> Campos joining us on the show. Hi, Sydney. Aww, hi, it's so great to be here with you. Thank you. Thanks for coming on the program. <laughs> <laughs> Super pumped for our conversation. <laughs> yes, we're already in the Quantum Leap. <laughs> yes, yes. And for those that don't know Sydney's background, she is a visionary advisor, intuitive healer, author of The Empath Experience, and host of the Visionary Souls podcast. You can find her link in the bio below, sydneycampos.com. Also, her YouTube page has incredible videos and all the interviews. Check those out in her Instagram profile. Okay. So, Sydney, we love starting things off by asking our guests, are we really all one? Yes. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> okay, I'm like, yes. <laughs> right, I know. What does that mean? We talk about that all the time. Like, we're all one and we just get to be one and that's it. And what does it mean? What does that actually mean? So. <sighs> yeah, we're all. I mean, like, really, I'm very sensitive right now to when I notice myself speaking like someone else's language or regurgitating something else that I've believed or heard or thought for a long time, but isn't necessarily what is most true to me in this present moment. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to like take a really deep breath and see what wants to be shared right now. <sighs> we are all one. What does that mean? Each and every living being is a reflection of the same source consciousness literally reflecting itself in the energy of every other living being, really with an underlying desire to better understand simply that, to better understand, not even to just understand oneself or understand another without any objective other than to come into deeper understanding. Is that then the purpose is to come into that deeper understanding? I think so. One way I like to conceptualize reality, this experience of life, is to look at it like a game. Mm -hmm. and, and it really does feel that way, you know? One of my favorite ways to share my gifts and support others is through working in the Akashic Records and channeling, really just channeling unconditional love, acceptance, and you know, the sense of understanding that allows someone to arrive more clearly into their own answers, or sometimes just better questions, to receive guidance on their path, to get more clear on their purpose. And something I frequently see in that space is, you know, this, image of our lives on earth being kind of dealt out in a series of different games and i've literally seen the image of like a live you know the library of the akashic records the library of all of the the experiences of all the souls of all of the universes and all of the timelines that have ever been past present and future because there's no time actually right so it's like consider this library of all that has ever happened and all that will ever happen 
And in this library, there's, you know, a collection of all kinds of different games, different board games. That's how it appeared to me once, actually, when I was in a past life regression. I saw this, you know, it was like all these different board games. Like there's Candyland, there's Monopoly, there's the game of life, there's chess. There's like every kind of game you could imagine, all of which have different objectives, all of which have different kinds of players, different kinds of themes, different ways to win points, different ways to win, you know, different strategies, all the different varieties, like countless, infinite. And I think that's a fun way to look at our lives and the way that we come into earth especially to try out different games and different ways to play different rules you know and then maybe part of the the game is to self realize that you're making the whole thing up and so you can change the game at any time <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ooh. All right. So this process of diving into the reality, the reason why it's here, seeing it and the layer that pierces the veil, there's some sort of a feels like different types of board games systems of maybe board games the word that you used is play mm -hmm. right play and you also used earlier this understanding mm -hmm. this process of understanding this oneness understanding itself this oneness playing itself mm -hmm. and there's so many of these board game archetypes that can be drawn from to un in the play unfolding. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this quite a bit on the program that at times it feels like the game of risk has been played over the period of time of these borders shaping, mm -hmm. armies forming, pushing borders. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that one was really deeply resonant. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. even pro probably even uh, more... Uh, ancient than that archetype is probably sims mm -hmm. <laughs> in the first place mm -hmm. <laughs> the pro the sims process mm -hmm. and then you get like risk and what now also feels like monopoly mm -hmm. in some ways is being played out like you listed mm -hmm. one of the, as one of the games uh rent seeking in these metropolises feels like monopoly in a sense um get out of jail free <laughs> Get out of jail <laughs> it's like, free. It's true, right? It's so funny. It's such a hologram. <laughs> we can literally see all the games. You know, we can see us playing out all of the different and simultaneously multiple different ones, right? But what I find to be really exciting is this opportunity, right? In our ascension and our awakening and our self, you know, realization that we are creating the game is to, you know, wow, like choose. What game are you here to play? And how do you want to play it? How do you want to show up? You know, and what are all the different rules of engagement that serve you, that feel best for you to learn and to understand what it is that you're most called to explore? Yeah, you, I love that tie-in that, that you've made now twice. So the, the board game archetype stack of with, within this one we draw from in understanding what we want to do what 
how we want to behave in this big play that's Mm -hmm. unfolding. And we have this free will of deciding what we want to do with these actions and behaviors and what board games we want to pull Mm -hmm. from. And does it feel then that this, these, do you feel as though these are also individual essences within the one? Hmm. What do you mean? I'm trying to understand. My that initial too. feeling was like, yes, because yeah. it's all the one, and we're all different essences of the same, you know, source consciousness, and that makes sense, you know. And hmm, I don't think I understand though what you mean. Maybe we don't understand what either of us mean because we're hacking reality so deeply. <laughs> uh, th- these levels of abstraction are intense. Well, because it's funny, right? And then that points to the original, like the original, you know, point. I think of our dis- uh, what we were bringing up is like the desire to simply understand. Like maybe we're on Earth. I've been really feeling this a lot lately. I don't know about you. It's like deconditioning from, and I know we were just talking about Charles Eisenstein and something he wrote the other day that really resonated with me that he's a big proponent of is like just being, like decommodifying our, you know, just beingness, you know? Like we're so hyper-conditioned to be in production and like creating and overly identify with, you know, what we do. And like we source so much value, we're conditioned to source our value based on what we produce and what we do instead of who we are and how we're being, you know? And, and there's this, that's a huge part of ascension in this moment and our collective awakening is this, wow, it's such a deconditioning into just pure being and being okay with being, being, being in love with being, you know, being in joy with that, like simplicity. And I was just speaking with someone earlier today about this. Like, there's just such a massive deprogramming of, like, the way our brains are wired to be in heightened survival mode and fight or flight. And, you know, like, something's out to get us. And we were talking about the default... um, Mode network. Mode network, exactly. Right, which is just wired to go into worry, to past worry and to future, you know, analysis and judgment and just survival mode, you know, because... When we actually get into a rest state, it's like that part of us is actually, you know, needs to keep doing stuff. It needs work to do still, you know, it needs homework. So we're in this massive invitation right now to do deep, like neurological, nervous system, brain rewiring that allows us to, I believe, be in more of our natural state, which is being, which is peacefulness, which is like probably pretty ecstatic, maybe, you know, and and then we, we get to say, hey, now that I'm being here now and I'm fully present, what naturally wants to arise like through me? What's my natural creative impulse? You know, what is it that I'm here to share? What is it that I'm here to really understand? What am I most excited about exploring? You know, and then then we can talk about purpose and your your soul purpose, your gifts, your genius, all that kind of naturally can just emerge. Yeah, I'm happy that you're bringing up the economic machinery sort of uh, choking out the uh, process of just being um, and that it's, in a sense it serves its purpose with our awakening by doing that, by doing this. Um, it's creating the pressure cooker for the evolution that, um, that we're going through. Okay, so 
we're now, let's say, uh, decommodifying um, so many of our uh, ways of behaving and focusing less on necessarily this word productivity always. So this word balance comes up a lot, a balance of wanting to make art and be and express yourself through the means of uh, producing, but also of just being. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that word, is that a resonant word or feeling for, for you? I think balance has been taken out of context so much. It's like this objective like even balance becomes this thing that you have to achieve and it's like a race to be the most balanced person. You know what I mean? Like it's like, what does it even mean anymore? It kind of, for me, it feels like it became this thing that now suddenly I have to do a lot of stuff to try to do it right and be there. And am I there yet? And it's like, you know, what program do I have to do to be balanced and you know, and I don't know, are we ever really, what does that mean? So let me try to define that. Like, what is balance? When I think about that word, for me, it means like homeostasis, which I very rarely ever use that word, mm. but that's what just came up. Yeah. And that to me means like harmony, like harmonious, like integrated, homeostasis, like rest. Like when something's in homeostasis, it's just like stillness. It's, it's stable, stability. I resonate a lot more with stability. Like that's what I'm about cultivating less than I, I feel like balance is something that is like a moving target almost like mm. I don't know, but stability. Wow. That's something I can feel mm. stability for me is like my energy body, my nervous system, my mental emotional state is like, oh, I'm stable. I'm present. I can be fully present. I can be fully here. So stability then is being fully present, being fully here, cultivating that is a main focus. Would you say that that's the most upstream issue that we face is cultivating a sense of stability? (sighs) When you put it like that, yeah, it feels really clear. I think that's it. I mean, and then look at our whole economic, political, media. I mean, all of the structures, all the infrastructure and all of the ideology therein, doesn't it all kind of become dismantled if you know, fundamentally more individuals are operating from a deep space of stability, calm, you know, like less of a react, or no, reactivity, no like impulsivity, no like needing anything. Wow. I know you said that this word balance seems like something that's a little bit uh, used in ways that are not necessarily oriented towards um, the ascension process that we're actually aiming for. It can be sometimes detached. Why do I have to strive towards this balance? It feels like this all is a balance all the time. Hmm. it's all perfect all the time do you feel like this is perfect (laughs) the way it is and the way it's evolving yeah and sometimes it sucks and sometimes it's awkward and sometimes it's really confusing and and all of that can happen in one minute 
or one second. Yeah. Like all of those experiences are happening yes, yes. simultaneously yes. like right now. Yes. And even as you just said what you just shared about balance, like my thought around balance just changed. <laughs> you know, and it, like we were just speaking about this earlier. It's so funny how fast we're evolving, how fast we're shifting. You know, sometimes I just wonder, like, should I even talk? Because, like, I'll say something, and then five seconds later, I already disagree with what I just said because something has already shifted in my consciousness to, you know, where, oh, wait, what I just said no longer feels authentic, you know, and I'm just constantly kind of addressing and correcting. And, and so what you said, actually, about balance, what I just pictured was the scales being balanced, right? And I pictured this like essence of, okay, wait a minute, there's something powerful about that. Mm-hmm. Like equality, equilibrium, also connected to homeostasis again. Yep. Why did I have a resistance to just going with that though? And But there's something powerful about, when I think about energy exchange too, like balance, like bal- it's important to balance exchanges, to balance one's own, your energy, your output and your input, right? These are some of the things that just came up as like where balance is a really helpful term actually to describe to describe that Hmm. and it feels like it's been now brought forth in so many different ways a yin and yang just over time of just the sort of perfect uh harmonization of this reality being at um at play this reality becoming alive this reality uh unfolding it just it does it just it feels um trying to put symbols on it um in itself is such a big uh, struggle but in a sense also that the process of putting symbols on it is a way to um aim to hopefully architect um the next world future where there is less um, suffering, there is more mm. flourishing, there's more prosperity. Mm. It's a process that I'm also just constantly trying to figure out because it is so fast that we say something and then we realize that we've evolved and that you know, <laughs> it's so fast. You can't keep up anymore. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. And we were sharing, I was just reflecting with you too, how, you know, there's something shifting. I'm sure a lot of people resonate with this who are just on the fast track of evolution as so many of us are right now, especially like as visionaries who are asking questions about, okay, what is this new earth? Like, how are we architecting more harmonious ways of being in the world? Like, what is the new story? You know, how, how are we going to be showing up when, you know, capitalism and this, you know, like money centric way of doing and overproducing in lieu of also like exhaustion and competition and comparison all these things when that no longer is a thing like how do we show up and we're already sensing and tuning into this being very close you know but we're in this fast track of our evolution and what i notice is like a sensitivity actually to wow how a lot of people are not operating on that level and sometimes it can feel to them like a shock like I'll share with them what I'm going through in my life and they're like, wait, what? Like you just told me like this was happening or this is happening now, what? And they'll be shocked. But for me, it's like, you know, a month is like 20 years or something at this rate. And so I'm just noticing this kind of awkward at times communication challenge that will arise where it's like, oh wait, I actually have to explain more context to people such as like my family in some cases or even friends, you know, who are like, 
not operating at that same speed and also can't maybe fathom how things could be processed that quickly. Although we do all have the capacity to heal, to transform, to move through, yeah, years in months, in weeks, should we so choose. The more that that I tap into this oneness, the more that it feels perfect. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm really grateful to be able to go back and forth with people on this exact subject because it, the level of abstraction that we are gifted in order to formulate our consciousness to this point mm. to be able to talk about it in itself is a beautiful gift mm. that we were given. And now um, to be stewards of that gift and to try and figure out how to properly um, build a next world is... Uh, I mean, you just spoke about it. It's 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 quite um, radical to talk to people about um, a future where the economic machinery is not gripping onto people's throats, um, and it's not um, pushing uh, mm. unique snowflakes. Every person being a unique instrument that's being played in the symphony uh, into circular boxes, like stamping people mm -hmm. out like like gingerbread cookies. Um, <laughs> mm -hmm. or like pawns in the chess archetype or like the soldiers in the risk board game archetype that you're listing earlier. Mm -hmm. And so that's a radically different world that, it, that, that, is, not, uh, that is not this one. But it's, it's perfect cons talking about the evolutionary process. I, I want to ask you this question. When you look at the ways of then when we when we ro specifically romanticize with uh, indigeneity albeit there were horrific things that also happened but when we romanticize with it we like to talk about the deep feelings of interconnectedness of in immediate return hunter gatherers the nomadic ones that are uh, deeply connected with each other and their environment and there's no mm excesses of resources there's no agrarian society yet there's deep respect for women there's all this types of of things deep deep music art story mm -hmm. does it feel as though those values have not been evolving and co-harmonizing with modernity today and that in a sense that we are in the process of remembering our species amnesia from those great <laughs> feelings and trying to figure out how to move forward with some of them. <laughs> I love the way you you set that up and the way that you see the way that you see is really it's fun. It's, it's different from the way I see. So I enjoyed that. Um, Thanks, Sydney. Yeah. What comes up as I hear you, you know, raise that question is like immediately. I was just like, well wait a minute, like, we've all been there. <laughs> we've all been there. Like, I like to just tune in with, you know, what part of you was an indigenous person living at that time, many lifetimes, maybe. 
You know, I know that I have many experiences from different timelines living in indigenous communal society, being a hunter-gatherer. One of the one thing I specifically remembered actually which feels important to share is because it connects with the economic, you know, capitalistic kind of deconditioning we're in the midst of is, you know, one time a long time ago when I was in my Akashic Records uh, training, like the first training I ever did to, to learn about Akashic Records and learning how to channel and, you know, really share and like shine in my gifts as an intuitive healer and guide. One of the exercises I was practicing in was just like I was dealing with so much scarcity in my consciousness. I was so, I was struggling. I was like, I was in a job that I really wasn't happy in, as I know so many people are right now, especially people that are waking up. And they're like, I'm just so unhappy, but I don't know what to do. I'm s I have to make money, and I'm good at this. Or it's easy, or it could be fine, and you just kind of can settle because it's safe and it's comfortable, you know. But I was at this point in my journey where my spirit was just like, I really felt like I was at my wit's end, and I was so full of fear. And it was all about money. And it wasn't really about money, but that's what I thought it was at the time. So I went into the Akashic Records and I asked to be shown an aspect of me, and anyone can do this by the way, it's like a meditation practice, you can just go into a meditative state and ask to be shown a version of you or a past life version of you that was an expert in the thing that you're wanting to come into greater mastery over. Mm. So for me in this case it was, okay, show me an aspect of myself or another timeline in which I was a master of abundance. Mm. And I was shown this you know it was like looking in a mirror at a version of me as a felt like a chief like of a tribe like this beautiful chief in like the plains you know with mountains in the background and i got to ask this guide you know hey like what's the deal how do i get into abundance i'm suffering i'm not happy how can i be free what's in my way you know how do i transcend this like slavery mm -hmm. and you know, it was so profound because no words were really spoken, but there was more this feeling like I was looking into this person's eyes, really into me, the one, <laughs> yeah. the reflection. Yeah. And the response I received was kind of this and with a gesture of this, you know, like look around you. It was, but it was just a felt sensation and like a telepathic communication, no words. It was just like and kind of this sense of confusion, actually, like, what are you talking about? How could you possibly think that? Like, look around you. Look at everything that's here. Like, look at, look at this world. Yeah. And that hit me so deeply. It was like, whoa. Like, wow. Like, it just it showed the illusion of even buying into those kinds of stories and beliefs and, like, the emotions associated with them. Like, whoa. That's not even... It doesn't even exist in this reality, actually. Like, this is the real world. This is abundance. Like, look at this infinite expanse of the earth and the land and, like, you know, multidimensional access to your different aspects of self and, you know, so profound. So I just shared that. For some reason, it felt like an appropriate response to what you were asking. Yeah. It may be more of my style and the way yeah. that I see the world. Yes. But, but to your point, like, indigeneity, you know, like, wow. There's so much wisdom there. When we were living with the land, when we were living in nature, I mean, it's so healing. You just go, listen, honestly, sometimes, and I see this in myself so much, it's like 
so many of the issues and problems and struggles and you know these like existential crises and like even envisioning the new earth and how we're going to build it and you know the timeline it's like okay if you actually just go into nature for like a day and get off of a screen yeah. get off of your phone yes and actually allow your body to do its natural process of healing, allowing your nervous system to just rest, which happens if you just step outside of yeah. the city. Yes. You see clearly, you know, and you can't help but feel connected. You can't help but feel, you know, activated in your senses and your intuition. You can't help but hear your inner voice become amplified. And I think that goes for all humans you know like all of us there's such powerful healing and so imagine when we were just living like that imagine we're just living like that with no obstruction you know just with the land we're, we can't help but be in harmony so yes i think we're remembering that <laughs> i really loved your response there okay so I've always been so fascinated with how I don't mm. want to loop this all the way back to what you're initially saying, but I'll get there that we're now starting to use this, these words of like nature therapy, people going on <laughs> to, to decrease cortisol levels. Now we're scientifically proving it. Well, we can also aim to understand the, the, the opposite as well. Trying to map biometric states of people outside of metropolises mm. or inside and when you do uh look at um the economic machinery's grips on people's nervous systems when they're inside of the machinery um it's quite difficult to um feel these feelings of mm. um abundance and that mm. um prosperity and these uh it's interconnectedness love um it and like you said, when you go out um, and, you, and you go through that process of more cl clearing your channel and enabling that uh, process of oneness within a more natural um, setting, it uh, it's so wise. Mm -hmm. It's so wise. And metropolis is uh, in many ways are not. Um, okay, and then leading even further back in that, I really appreciate your take on it, which is that um, we haven't, we probably haven't talked about this enough on the show um, to where it's probably so easy for us to just kind of like um, mm. move through it without taking a little bit of time to also explain it and talk about it. So, um, what does it, what does it actually mean to? Um, be tapped into um past lives and like things like the akashics right when you're talking about things like a place where everything that has ever been and that could ever be is located and when you're talking about um things like you actually were here during indigenous times and uh you know how how do people um especially like how much the scientific method has gripped also um our understandings how, how how do but while there's also things like the dalai lama and panchen lama trying to constantly go through a process of discovering where is the next young one um where are they where's the next one that's been rebirthed mm. and so there's like that versus mm. you know so right mm. how, so just walk us mm -hmm. through this this process of how you even mm -hmm. you yourself commune with that truth and how you go back and identify these past selves etc 
so much there. I feel like we're decoding the matrix. <laughs> I love it. Here yeah. we are. Hmm. Could you imagine that we're all like so powerful, you know, to exist beyond time and to exist beyond any linear confines of even space or even a body? Which is another way I would answer, like, we are all one. You know, so I love the Akashic Records as a modality to tune into that state of being on a regular basis. Because that to me feels much more real. Let's say those one more time. We're so powerful that we're beyond. Could you imagine that we are all so powerful that we actually exist beyond the confines of time and space? And even beyond a body, beyond any like linear physical confines, you know, so much of our reality machinery, as you say, is like really predicated on this collective agreement, you know, collective asleepness, <laughs> you know, that says X, Y, Z, you know, confined, limited potential, a lot of control and a lot of fear therein. And for me, what feels more true is well, actually, we're all, you know, completely infinite in our capacity to access any information at any time. We have access to all that, all that ever is, all that ever was, all that ever will be. And, you know, another way to think of the Akashic Records is the known field. It's just a simple understanding and knowing that, you know, we're energy beings. We're actually not like a personality not an ego, I'm not even this body, you know, I'm energy. And I have a unique energetic signature like a snowflake. You know, I have a really unique signature, but I'm energy, I'm immortal. I'm not matter, I'm just energy, you know? And, and so I get excited about like making this life about like really exploring, you know, our individual energetic signature and starting to interact also more you know, explicitly, more intentionally with, with our lives, with each other, with the world as like this energetic experience of, okay, wait, we're in this known field. Something shifts when you and I meet, right? And there's just this subtle energetic communication that's frankly far more effective, far more instantaneous than anything you or I are even saying. Because our energetic body, emotional body is processing so much faster and it's processing so much more. You know, like there's so much communication happening. So I love to just make that explicit. Like, okay, yeah, you have an energy field. I have an energy field. When we come together, we create this new kind of a field. And we tend to be, you know, right now we're in resonance. So we're kind of like, we're vibing, we're sharing, we're flowing. And then there's even this bigger thing called the known field, which is like the collective field, right? Of like every, I mean, all living beings. Some would even say like all of the entities that exist in all of the multiverses and even beyond anything that I'm consciously aware of in this moment, you know, and like, wait a minute. If you and I are connected energetically in this field, we could imagine expanding out to connect with, you know, the consciousness of the city, the country, even beyond Earth. And yeah. in an instant, we're suddenly connected to the Akashic field or the known field of everything, you know. And it's just a simple practice to, like, expand your awareness. And just it's another game. It's like a new way to play, you know. It's like, well, wait a minute. If I have access to any answer, any reflection, any support, you know, with maybe this whole team of guides... Mm -hmm. different supporting energies whatever you believe in mm -hmm. you know but i'm showing again and again that we have we each have this like stadium full of 
supporting spirits and different aspects of ourselves that are just there ready like waiting to give us guidance in fact really want to give us guidance if only we would listen and ask for it <laughs> yeah beyond space time and the body if we believe that that is where the power is at then doing things like going beyond our body into this field of another, which empathy really uh, is something that's, that is, is in a sense, it's beyond your body when you're cap, when you're able to um, feel what another person is feeling. Um, then going beyond that to the feelings of the city, the feelings of the planet, the feelings of all that is, that if you can go there, if you can go into what have been past lives, if you can go into what is, then it, does it not then also say that you then feel the future, all of the possible future states that the trajectory can go into? Yeah, because, I mean, if there's no time, to what extent has... You know all of the all of the future potentials. <laughs> this might sound really funny to say, but it's just what it feels feels to be true. It's like to what extent, like if we can think about something, like even as a future conjecture or possibility, like doesn't that kind of mean it's already happened on some like on some level? Because how would I be tuning in with that idea if it hasn't on some level already occurred? You know, in some other reality or some other. I mean, more and more, I I'm. I'm I love that show. Also, the OA. I feel like have you have you seen that show? Again, what, um, I th what is it again? It's uh, it's this brilliant show that I've I have literally have never seen something like so accurately depict, you know, multidimensional consciousness and like parallel universes, parallel realities, mm -hmm. parallel timelines, mm -hmm. and it's just genius. It's is so it, good. Is is they're frequently going between. Yeah, that, that's Rick and Morty does a little bit of that as well. Jumping between um, the m multiverse or however people want to, to describe it. Um, I haven't seen that one. It's an animated one. I just yeah. I love I love all of these you know resources that we have available right now that are so encoded with Ascension. They're so they're just showing they're giving us so much permission to explore these you know, new avenues through which we can per better perceive and understand ourselves and really come into more of our power. I mean, that's what all of this about, this is about, I feel like in Ascension, it's like, where am I able to really source more of my power, more of my innate, you know, my creatorship, you know, like it's like awakening to what it is that you're really here to create, what you're really capable of creating beyond any perceived confines or limitations, you know especially when it comes to the future. Like, okay, what I find to be really exciting and also challenging when thinking about, when tuning in with, when allowing, right, the vision of the future, the more beautiful world we know is possible, the more yeah. the story that we want to live into, the new agreements, the new rules of engagement for a more harmonious world. It's like, wow, that's when you see all the conditioning come up around like, wow, where have I been operating in a box? Where have I been holding judgment against how I think people are going to show up? You know, there's like, wow, in that, in that process of being in truly open, you know, inquiry about really new ways of being together on earth. It's like, 
There's a lot of emotion. I find there's a lot of emotional, a lot of behavioral um, healing, actually, and conditioning, that deconditioning that is required to actually be able to see clearly how we might play together in new ways. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. So I, mean, I still have so many um, questions about uh, being able to go back um, I, I feel like I've never answered about past lives. Yeah, yet. let's let's do that. I, I feel like yeah. I keep implying that, but I'm actually not. Why am I not answering the question? <laughs> let's do that, and then I'll remember where I want to go. Let's do that. So, again, to this point of there being no and time, may I, I may also just say that because yeah. we by doing this, <laughs> by explaining this, by maybe catalyzing other people to try themselves to also dive back like that, um, hmm. it, it does. It just feels like we have the power of you know time we have a time machine we have this ability to kind of go back and yes. just to dive in and feel what was there mm -hmm. feel what was there mm -hmm. feel what was there and if we can do that we can really start drawing on some of the things that our our consciousness may have had you know really strong ide ideas and wisdom with that is maybe not present um to yeah or that's is wanting to be remembered is be, always present because yeah. it's all always here yeah, yeah. but are we not what are we not paying attention to what are we not listening to what are we not willing to receive you know and so again it's just i guess through one lens i can see how a lot of people would just write it off like past lives whatever like i want i believe in science and science is is incredible i'm so grateful for science wow like thank you for allowing me to understand more about my like neurochemistry and like biomechanics like how to operate within a body you know i'm here on earth to live in a body and like take care of my body and feel great and learn about my energy and become masterful and like being fully present you know, and so science is great. Giving us this podcast. Yeah, and we love it, and we yeah. love it so much. And there's also so much, maybe more, that like, you know, for me especially, like we'll never fit into the lens of something measurable, something, you know, like quantifiable. It's like the infiniteness, the infinite, like oneness. How do we measure that? Like I don't... It, like for me that doesn't quite compute within the lens of like rationality science you know just trying to measure and quantify and put things in boxes categorize there's like this infinite there's such an infinite supply infinite abundance of all of this other wisdom that frankly has a you know you mentioned the dalai lama and like i think you implied some other very ancient traditions yeah by the way, like a lot of the history that most people are operating, you know, from the context in which we learn about history is also very confined. There's actually like so much more history on Earth that is not taught in any schools. It's not really taught. You know, if you think about what we've archaeologically discovered, it's probably less than a percent of the right. total. And even yeah. beyond that, like again, so another another fun resource for going into the Akashic Records and just being open. Listen, this whole conversation about past lives is an invitation, especially for those who are more scientifically minded and really like, but wait, I like the numbers and I like the research and I like the facts and I, you know, could you imagine, like, could you be open? Would you be willing to be open? to a new experience of your own power, of your own perception, of your own sensitivity, of your own heart, really, like of your own feelings, maybe surprising yourself with what might be in there, with might be, what might be available when you start to just, just open a little bit. And even just, you know, I was interviewing someone earlier today, who's, um, his name's Dawson Church, he wrote Mind Over Matter. And he's a, you know, PhD researcher and talks all about, you know, the neurochemistry of the brain, meditation, but, 
and it's very like no spirituality it's just like very practical it's like very accessible practical technique to get into a bliss state you know nothing spiritual about that <laughs> um and i really appreciate i really appreciate that i appreciate that right now and all the people that really embody being bridges right being bridges because we we require a lot of bridges right now but i would just encourage like just for fun in the spirit of practicality imagining how practical it is to just you know play in this new reality in which you have a, a whole stadium full of like the the top advisors just like you would have a board of advisors for your company for your you know your investors etc it's like imagine each and every one of us has a whole board of advisors existing in all sorts of different you know different planes and dimensions they've lived all these great life experiences it's like your whole team of mentors for all of the very precise areas of mastery and expertise that you would you know require on your path this is another way to think of your past lives this is another way of actually starting to look to yourself as your own guide which i'm really excited about as we see the like guru dynamic totally fall apart in our society it's like how do you get to be your own guide how do you start to trust yourself how do you start to go to yourself for your own wisdom for your own knowing trusting again that you have so much power and you have so much wisdom and whether or not you believe that you've lived in other lifetimes or you've incarnated in other experiences it's like just Try it on and see how it feels. Like maybe you think about it as, you know, oh, you have different personalities. You have different identities that you play with now. Like think about how you show up in different environments and communities. Those are all sorts of different, you know, identities. And then have fun with personifying those more explicitly and starting to actually interplay in your own inner dialogue or meditation, just like I demonstrated earlier. Like just for fun. I mean, Dawson reminded me today that, you know, Napoleon Hill, who wrote, who wrote Think and Grow Rich, talks about this same thing in his book from like the 1930s, you know, imagining that as like one of the most foremost, you know, books on, prolific books on, you know, actually a lot about capitalism, right? And really being an entrepreneur and being really, being successful. And he talks about having your imaginary council, your board of advisors, you know, mm -hmm. imagining yourself surrounded by, you know, all the people that you look up to most. Yep. And I love that too, but I also like to include, you know, why not look up to yourself and like your future self could be in there. Yeah. Or, you know, the, the version of you that at some level, at some time, past, present, or future, has been an expert in abundance, in intimacy, in channeling, in whatever you want you know and that's and that's how we actually start to create the new the new rules for how we play in the game of our lives <laughs> your own personal experiences with ego loss or ego death or interconnectedness or unconditional love what have those mm. been hmm. Hmm. it's a continual ongoing process with no end yeah and i'll share what's absolutely just most present for me right now um hmm I'm in a process right now, you know, and this, and I'm always in process, I guess. We're always evolving, always in process, but right now particularly feels like a tender moment. 
in which it has been revealed to me through a very intimate business partnership, actually, that's felt very much to be like, it's a deeply intimate, almost like a romantic dynamic without the romance, but it's like brought up so much uh, unconsciousness as all great relationships are designed to do. And uh, stretching my capacity to, to be with the parts of me that feel really ashamed and humiliated even, you know, um, by how I've actually held myself to such an impossible standard of perfection and how I've been very judgmental and critical and frankly really mean to myself for a very long time. And this is not a new pattern. This is not a new awareness. What was surprising and what did feel new and really revealing was like just having a deeper layer of this experience really illuminated by this particular person's energy just in their presence. In their presence, something happens where, and I'm really still in this process of like, I'm not sure what's gonna happen because part of me is like, I just wanna leave. I just wanna be done. This is so uncomfortable. This is so painful. That's the ego, right? Getting, that's the ego death. It's like, I'm gonna die. So part of me is like, I don't want to die. Like, things are okay as long as I'm not feeling that stuff. You can just keep going over here and kind of compartmentalize. So that's an aspect, right? But then the true, the true self, my heart, is like, no, it's time to let that part die. It's time to let that story die. It's time to let that behavior die. Wow, that thing that I, that I was actually really hiding from everyone, that way that I'm so, I can be really mean to myself and have a lot of, talk about unconditional love. There's a lot of ways in which my self-love is very conditional and very dependent on how I produce and how I perform and what I do and how I'm seen and what my image is. And like, again, nothing new there, but it's been painful to see how even with all the healing and transformation I've undergone and continue to com commit myself to, phew, there's just a deeper layer. It's a deeper layer of like, whoa, like I've been found out, like this person sees how I've been operating, like in the shadows where no one else would ever know or see. Damn. This person can see, and that is revealing and really, for me, feels very humiliating. And then I don't even want to be around that person because it just feels like everything I know, all the ways I would coach someone or do healing work with someone to help them out of that. I like, I'm so humbled. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I can't give myself my own advice because I just like kind of lock up. I was trying to communicate with this person yesterday, and this is someone I love. It's funny I say it like this person because I have so much... Have a lot of resistance in my system right now you know regarding this relationship but the truth is there's love there and the truth is we've been brought together to do some very powerful work and the truth is i can't really get away with like running away from this and just trying to compartmentalize that doesn't work so to answer your question i'm like really feeling deeply humbled in this moment by how much i've known and have learned and taught and and still like wow i don't actually I'm in a real unknown right now. It's like, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not sure how I'm going to show up. I know how to take care of myself right now and how to like be wow. soft and be present. But there's, it feels really massive. I feel like I've uncovered an, like Mount Everest blind spot of unconsciousness. Damn. That, it really feels like that. And I'm like, okay, shit. Like I have to climb up this mountain because it feels like it's, on the other side is a major breakthrough, major freedom, major, major newness, you know, but it's scary.
reminds me also of the ignorance that is uh, just uh, attached like a Mount Everest to our ankle and that we're trying to learn and <laughs> chip away at, at the at the boulder mm. um, and the what what is um, laid out from the moment that we're born and even before that with the ancestral lineage um, mm. that's laid out mm -hmm. in these formative neural architectures and that then is constantly um, brought up uh, at later moments in our lives um, if we do not in a sense um, become aware radically aware and symbiotic with it uh, it can come up like uh, volcanoes um, in our lives mm -hmm. um, and I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you you point that out um, another thing that I think um, would be helpful here is that if you can kind of give us a um, a breakdown of uh, how you empathize because the better that we can get behind someone's perspective, uh, the more mm. we can also feel oneness. Mm -hmm, and so, yeah, mm -hmm. give us that breakdown for yeah. you. Yeah. <sighs> well, I think what you're pointing out too is like the distinction between empathy and being empathetic or mm -hmm. empathic. Mm -hmm. Actually, I should know this empathetic versus empathic right there's a distinction mm -hmm. so being empathetic or feeling empathy would mean like oh you're sad okay yeah i can understand how you feel sad and that makes sense and it's kind of a more intellectual experience actually mm -hmm. like oh if you, yeah i'm sorry but then you can leave and kind of feel like okay that hope they're gonna be okay i'll go on to my life and you're you know maybe not still feeling sad or still feeling like someone else's you know sad experience actually happened to you so that's the distinction between being empathetic and then being an empath which is maybe just a more heightened attunement to the experience of empathy being an empath and what i really have experienced my whole life a lot of my life i didn't understand this is what was happening but you know being an empath means you actually can feel and this is expressed different ways and by different people by everybody actually has a different expression of this but it's like, I can actually feel how you are feeling and how energy is moving in your body and emotional experiences. And sometimes even, you know, and then we get into the psychic terrain of like thoughts and memories and our body sensations. Um, and, and that's something I believe we all have the capacity to attune more finely to is this like very heightened empathic experience where we can not only intellectually understand why someone feels and understands things the way that they do but we can actually really feel it as though it's our own experience as the one you know and and there's a there's a mastery and a practice in in discerning you know your experience from that of another's but then being able to consciously choose when to attune with someone else at that level you know usually for the aim of of healing that's usually why you know it's always available to us is like to support healing and growth and deeper understanding being tapped in tuned in to the one on a moment-to-moment -moment level is being empathic 
interesting. I wouldn't think of it like that, but I guess that works. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's talk about how the, the more that someone has done this process of self-work, the more that they can achieve their life purpose. And what has been both your experience with your own self-work and achieving your life purpose and also with helping other people what are the most common roadblocks that people are going through with trying to anchor their divine mission into their life <laughs> it's great that you're asking me this because i again with everything i've lived you know I'm like i'm also in this inquiry myself and another deeper layer is being revealed of like divine mission, like getting really specific and really clear on what feels best for me instead of in the past what has felt like a service, servitude yeah. or an obligation yeah. or something that is expected from others. So those are main roadblocks, I would say, you know, that most people face and especially visionaries and people really call, I think everybody, you know, but like people that are at the forefront of kind of this, this visionary, holding this visionary energy of like, I'm here to build a better world. I'm here to like build it. And I know that I have an important mission on this planet to be of service in a massive way, you know? And what are the things that usually get in the way of that being realized? And there, it's like, nothing's in the way, but what are a lot of the, what are the typical lessons that emerge on that path? Really as a way to help you reorient to your clear focus. That's how I would actually rephrase mm -hmm. that. Because um, there's no blocks. There's no blocks. There's just, there's, you know, there's moments on the path that are there to help you refocus and realign, usually through the experience of contrast. But nothing's in your way. Like, nothing's, nothing's in the way. Nothing's blocking you. How long you decide to stay in one of these moments is up to you. And, you know, that might last a long time, depending on how willing you are to let go of an old story, your old, you know, fear, whatever it is for you. Um, and the main moments or challenges that arise are, yeah, like people pleasing, doing the thing that you know that will make everybody, ha that you think at some level will make everybody happy, the thing that people are expecting of you, the thing that you're just good at, just settling, right? Because a lot of us are like really good at a lot of things and we could just go do that, especially, oh, I see all these other people doing that thing, right? So giving your power away to what you see other people doing successfully and maybe overly identifying with people that you maybe put on a pedestal and wanting to be them and misplacing yourself in their identity and their purpose, being disconnected from yourself. Um, you know, getting, chasing, you know, money or again, attention, validation. It's kind of the same thing, just chasing attention, chasing energy, you know, instead of operating from this really, all of these, these challenges can be met with, a recommitment and really a resilience, but a recommitment to returning to one's center and getting real. That sounds silly as I said that. So this is like this evolution mm -hmm. that I'm in. I'm like, that's on silly. What do I really mean? Yeah, yeah. All these challenges can be met with 
it's actually like a discipline. Like that's what comes up. It's like mm-hmm. the path of living your purpose demands discipline. Yeah. It's not like this, like, yeah, I'm going to live my purpose and just meditate and chant. It's like, no, it requires discipline and mastery. And I wish someone had told me this a long time ago, you know, like discipline, like to be to attuning yourself to being grounded, to being stable, to being present, to listening, to having your energy and your power contained in your sense of center, you know, so that you hear your guidance, you feel your guidance, you know what is right for you, you know you're meant to show up. It actually strikes me as funny that this is something we would even explain or reason our way into or out of because it's so natural. Like we're each born as this unique snowflake, as this unique you know, transmission of a being through this human body here to share something powerful and a very unique expression. Each and every one of us. There's no competition. There's no compa- Why would you ever compare yourself to anybody else, right? This is something I say to myself frequently, but it's like really tune into that. There's no comparison when you're actually focused on not even doing what you think you should do or your purpose. There's no thinking. It's like, are you allowing yourself to follow the creative impulse that naturally flows through you that's naturally guiding you to be of service? It's naturally guiding you to help. It's naturally guiding you to contribute to this whole bigger puzzle, you know, that we're all a part of. That when we actually listen to our own individual impulse, it's like somehow we work really harmoniously, just like nature. Somehow there's a job for everyone. Somehow there's a unique place in which every single person belongs. But the issue that, you know, we're evolving out of, I hope soon, and that I really like, whoa, okay, I have a lot of compassion. It's like one of the issues is like too many cooks in the kitchen, like too many people trying to do the same thing and no one doing their thing, their unique thing well. So discipline, right? And cultivating mastery over like what it is that you love most, what it is that turns you on most about life, what it is that it's like every single person comes to you with the same question. (laughs) You know, like these things are obvious. Your purpose is so obvious. It's right there. Like everyone around you can usually name it and see it before you can. But the issue again is, you know, those of us who feel like we're not in alignment yet, it's like we're still looking out here for someone else to give us the answer, for someone else to like give us the permission to do the thing that we actually already know when we follow our impulse is like, oh, it's so simple. It's so easy. We like can get out of, what's that thing I love? Like get out of the way of being who you truly are. Like just get out of the way of being who you already are, you know, but simply put discipline, grounding and centering practice, cultivating observation of oneself, making your unconsciousness conscious, you know, being willing to look at that stuff as it comes up because it can be really scary and really confronting and humiliating and, and all the stuff. But are you willing to let those false aspects of yourself go so that more of who you already are, who you really are, can simply arise? Yeah, your focus on discipline on the north star the discipline of this what's in the unique dna of the seed or of the snowflake or of the instrument as part of the symphony that's being played yeah that is that is a top principle that's a top principle uh if not maybe even the 
top uh, principle. Well, you know, the thing is, so Odyssey is something that came through actually at the end of last year, and it's um, something I, I brought through and then have now built with a team and with a partner, you know, the business partner <laughs> I mentioned. <laughs> This beautiful reflection challenging my soul growth and uh, and Odyssey is is this is this invitation for leaders new earth architects the people that are like really called who are already in some way building the new earth right who are already like running companies and and being of service and have done a lot of personal work have come into great mastery over their energy like are they're living their purpose right and they're kind of like okay now what like I've done a lot of the things what's next and what I feel is what's like, what is next is, okay, let's get all of those masters and visionaries in a room together and let's actually get more clear on like, what is my unique key? What's your unique key? Cause we've all been doing like 20 different things that we're really good at. Cause we're brilliant. We're really brilliant beings and we've been doing a lot of work, but what's like my actual unique key that I have for this heaven on earth? more beautiful world puzzle. Like what's the unique one thing, the specific mastery that I bring when I know that you're showing up in your mastery, bringing your key, and I no longer have to do that job, you know, what wants to arise through me? And so that's like a curiosity that I'm in right now is like, how do we create more spaces like that? And that's, you know, part of what Odyssey is answering is like creating space for us to gather and get more clear because it's only in your reflection that I can see myself as the one, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's only in your reflection that I can see myself. I can't actually see myself. I can't, I need you to see myself. And so it's only in your reflection that I can get clear on, okay, what is my purpose? I've been living my purpose. I've been serving my mission, but I require greater clarity. Like I wanna know like, what is my key? What's like my unique mission? I wanna get specific. You know, that's what we require. And building this new earth, we require great specificity, excellence. And to excavate this requires discipline, right? To come into that mastery and kind of that, again, like beginner's mind actually is like great mastery, right? Like, are you willing to let go of everything you thought you knew, everything you've learned, everything you've been conditioned to, how you've you know, been conditioned to operate to actually say, well, wait a minute. Okay, what is the thing that I really, like I'm open right now. What is it that I'm really here to serve? You know, what is it that I'm really here to contribute and what feels best? And, uh, and that's what I really believe is a guiding principle for this new earth is like leading with what feels good as our bodies become more highly attuned instruments to truth, to, you know, abundance, to connection, to the infinite, you know, kind of connection within us all to our humanity, to this being a big family, you know, what feels right, what feels good, not what looks good. Not what we think would make sense, because that's when we're operating in a confined, limited frame, instead of like, you know, wow, infinite possibility, something totally new, you know, big ideas. That's the space that I feel we're called to play in more and more. It's like leading with feeling, leading more with our intuitive sensibility, leading more with our multidimensionality, you know. love the keys mm. the different players of different instruments the puzzle pieces the dna that's in every one of the seeds that's flowering big trees filled with fruits 
that as the as the next world comes in that the economic machinery decreases its grip and gets augmented to where the play and the the love, the being, the music, the art, the expression, and even the the science uh, are just all more prosperous. What I really want is... And what I feel called to create, like this is my prayer for Odyssey and like the, all the communities that will be birthed from Odyssey because it's really an incubator of community and like other organizations that will be birthed from this space of leading with, you know, coherence and collaboration and like real embodied leadership, you know? And what I really crave is just more space for, you know, where permission is granted for people to be their truth, like to be who they really are and to be expressed in their their gifts, to feel safe, you know, to be a CEO, to be an impact investor, to be like a, you know, like showing up in the very third dimensional reality, but then to come into a space with fellow leaders and to feel really safe to say, yeah, like I see energy and I work with energy medicine and I channel ETs and I, or whatever it is, anything, all of the infinite unique expressions of our intuition are welcome. Do you ever feel like, the side of spirituality occasionally wanders into snake oil and then science aims to help it not wander into snake oil? <laughs> I like that question. And then part of me is like, what is snake oil? But I understand it's like the larger, it's like the context of that story where someone was like misled and it's like the whole... Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of like ridiculousness and like people have profited of, you know, what do we call it? Spiritual materialism, illusionary spirituality, like there's huge industries that have been created. You know, the psychic, like fake psychics on every corner in LA and like, or who knows, real or fake, you don't really know anymore because there's just an oversaturation. Same thing is true for coaches, you know, like the coaching industry, we were just watching that video of like, you know, making fun of all the different kinds of coaches that there are and like everyone's a coach and it's just over, like how are we operating when it's like the things that were once, and Charles again talks a lot about this, like, you know, the like commodification of all that is sacred, yep. you know, and then we are just like confused, like what's real? Yep. But you know what's real by guess what if you're in your mastery and discipline of like being connected to yourself you know what's real there's nothing to protect from there's no snake oil there's no or maybe you go choose to have that experience because you're just curious about what it's like to be in the contrast of an illusion or someone profiting off of you know a false persona and, and i don't know if there's a right or wrong because even the people that i've experienced who are totally you know, at some level, it's not everybody doing the best they can, even if they are like they do have an agenda to sell snake oil or rip people off or, you know, they're profiting off of this false identity, false marketing, like. But maybe they're serving a purpose in the greater scheme of things is that person that we would think is a swindler, not serving some purpose at some level for someone to have some kind of a meaningful healing experience. Otherwise, it wouldn't be happening. And similarly can be said about how 
science may wander itself into nuclear bombs and then spirituality can be like what the fuck are you doing well here we are at the balance again the balance of the skills and i'm excited about this moment we're in right now where more and more there's just bridging happening there's no black and white there's no science and spirituality you know i mean as i say that i just kind of laugh like wait a minute like science is inherently very spirit like it reminds me of the interview earlier today where the guy's like it's very practical i feel like he was talking to me in an encoded message so many of these scientists are actually like total mystics you know and they're like but i have this methodology for the meditation it's just very practical it's based in neuroscience it's just mechanical but his energy is saying like and i'm gonna wake all of you up (laughs) but he would never say that or it's like one of my teachers that i studied with uh, mark wolin who teaches all about family constellations and inherited family trauma and like doing really deep it's like very shamanic healing work like having full body sensations of like i would imagine as though you were at an ayahuasca ceremony without any medicine just doing you know embodied trauma therapy and having like deep somatic healing experiences this guy he would never say i wanted to interview him to about being an empath because he's a super empath super psychic empath and total shaman but he would never call himself those things and he's like no you will not interview me about being an empath because i do not use that language because he doesn't want to isolate all of the people that are in this kind of scientific, self-proclaimed kind of scientific camp who maybe feel, and this is a deep conditioning, right? That there's an aversion, just even our language. Some of our language can be encoded as like an aversion, can be encoded with like mistrust, as snake oil, as lacking credibility, as really like just having its power totally diminished. And so that's, that's something I'm in inquiry and explanation, you know, exploration about like, okay, wait a minute, to what extent is some of my language turning people off who otherwise maybe I could be supporting or I could be connecting with, you know, but as long as we're responsible for our truth and speaking from the truth, and even if it's awkward and we correct ourselves, because what I just said doesn't make sense anymore. As long as we're speaking from the truth there's not so much of that management that needs to happen. There's not so much, there's no perception management. There's no, there's not, there's not a lot of thought needed actually, you know? So that's just something I, I want to really anchor in in my, in myself. Cause that's something I'm, I'm working on right now. And it feels, you know, speaks to the like obligation servitude dynamic of like really wanting to help like wanting to awaken, wanting to serve. But then that desire, which is a really beautiful intention, can sometimes get, you know, colored with, yeah, just being distracted from the point and not really, (laughs) yeah. I had the experience just now as I was speaking that what I was saying stopped being relevant and stopped feeling authentic. And so my thought just completed. Yeah. That happens to me a lot as well. It's awkward, right? But it's just I so important it. to name it. And it's to like, name it it's like stop. I was just playing it, out some yeah. old, well, sometimes our mind, like I think that was an experience of the mind trying to catch up with like a much faster processing that's happening energetically. And so I caught myself like latching onto some old story and trying to like one, give it one last hurrah. It's like, no, that's complete. <laughs> 
Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Earlier when you described how <laughs> we talk about how everything is one and then we kind of showcase some sort of a, a within this one there is some sort of a of a classic example of a of a dualism of like good and evil or how or the yin and yang however this balance that gets struck hmm. in the process of the one evolving over time and that it's constantly in perfect flux as it evolves to me um it is in perfect flux a science and spirit way of viewing it or a good and evil way of viewing it in whatever way yet it feels as though that if they understand one another better i want to work on the understanding one another better side mm. but under but misunderstanding one another will catch up at approximately the same pace as understanding um mm. them better mm. and so that's why it's perfect because it happens that way and i think um actually probably one of the most perfect um ways of viewing it is um uh just uh, take like any social media platform because a social media platform is like the perfect balance of good and evil it has all of the incredible qualities of being able to communicate profound wisdom across the planet at lightning speeds but it also has the problem of the business plans of the attention economics and advertising mm. models the uh, cancerous comparison mentalities that affect our um our suicide rates and our mental health and well-being um so it, it that's those are kind of really interesting ways to 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 look at that so it's like almost as though as um some sort of a of a of we like solve something and we make something upgrade it towards mm -hmm. good that we say um there's also something that comes up that is evil it's almost like this uh also like this mm -hmm. twin nuclei problem i believe around mm -hmm. 1953 or so where it was just that the um cracking into the atom gives us both the power to um to do um, incredible things like understand what's actually going on at a at a level of a of a particle in the universe yet it also makes the nuclear bomb possible same with the cell that you can understand like the the how what what dna plays the mm. way that dna plays out in a in a cell and in our lives um yet it also gives you the potential to create um absolute catastrophic um uh, mm. uh engineering of of malevolences in biology so you you kind of you kind of get this um this mm. this good and evil balance on in all these different categories within the reality that um i'm aiming to try and steward the good ones albeit there are it's almost as though there's always going to be. I, I, it may be such a, um, it may be such a perfect creation. This reality that there will always be um, a, 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 a harmonization, a flux of those um, as as it goes on. How how do you feel about about that? Mm, you just take me on a journey, my friend. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> you do too. How do I feel about that? Wow. Well, the question, more questions, right? So, yeah. like, 
to what extent is good or bad or good or evil it's like I feel like judgments and projections and I don't think those are absolute truths so that's one curiosity to what extent is that like because to you something that you think is good I might not think is good I might think that's bad and then you know so there's just that whole whole game implicit in that um also reminds me of the law there's like energy dynamics right of like energy is neither created nor destroyed and so if we're well that arose i don't know why and then also like the the again the scales and balance energy exchange like taking something means you know eventually you must give it back you must repay mm -hmm. um huh and i'm just really tuning in more with that like for every what i also heard you say is with every you know, possible, you know what I really think about actually just the dynamic of light and dark, right? So that's something we can all agree on is like in duality, we have this, you know, sense of light. Maybe that's more of the way that I resonate with understanding the good and evil, good or bad or whatever. It's like light and dark and light we might think of as, you know, our true self, our gifts, our purpose, our, you know, can I tell you why light and dark? We I stopped saying as much. Because oh, you of the stopped whole, saying it. I stopped saying it as much because of the whole oh. skin color thing. I thought that we we had some conversations on the program where it started driving me nuts how darkness and dark wow. skin color and people are trying to move towards light skin color. Interesting. And wow. yeah, so that kind of thing started driving me like. And so anyway, that's why I started using like good and bad or good and evil. That's so funny to me. How do you, how do you For me, good and bad or evil feels way more like controversial. Virtual. Than light or dark and i would have never thought of the skin color thing ever yeah, yeah but i guess yeah i mean i could see how people might be sensitive to that but on, on you know the truer reaction is like i have no idea how you would connect those at all <laughs> yeah good 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 so then maybe yeah. it can continue if we can evolve yeah. past that well, skin it's a really helpful thing, yeah. way to look at like personal development and like yourself as a whole listen part of arriving into the consciousness unit what we're talking about is unity consciousness right like the one realization that there's no me without you i see myself in your reflection i'm here to be on earth to like master really being in relationship so that i can better see and understand myself and arrive into more truth and more of like the wholeness remembering more of my wholeness remembering more of my power remembering more of my innate infinite wisdom remembering my divinity remembering that i'm god yeah. you know actually whoa okay now what do we want to create you know and so the light and the dark is helpful actually for understanding this journey to wholeness right journey and remembering one's wholeness it's like oh the light it would contain but the shadow and the light actually contain talk about keys right all the same keys there's like a light and a shadow side like all these different dynamics that will come across in our lives like our purpose our relationships our you know all the different aspects of our our life and how we express ourselves in this reality it's like you know um, another way i would just define light and dark or light and shadow i is like, like how you said light and shadow yeah like going. right shadow yeah. yeah like light what is illuminated what we're willing to to be seen as what we're willing to like put forth like here I am, here's my image. And then shadow, like as I was describing earlier, the things that were hiding, the things that were ashamed, the things that were in contraction about versus expansion. So that's another fun way, just another law, universal law of like how we're operating as energetic beings on earth and in the multiverse is like expanding 
or contracting. contracting. And then we come back yeah. to decisions. We come back to choice. We come back to the rules of the game that we're deciding to play. Yeah. And then we're we're not judging things as good or bad or wrong or right because those aren't absolute truths. Those are just like judgments. But what I do know is, oh, I have this choice. Maybe that's all I ever have. And is it expansive? Is it bringing me into more illumination? Mm -hmm. Is it bringing me into more, you know, truth, mm -hmm. unity, connection? Mm -hmm. Or not? Or not, yeah. Or is it the opposite of all of those things? Yeah, yeah. And so that's a, a different way that I would like riff on what you kind of brought up is like, and that's a helpful tool because in any moment in your life, it's like, okay, orient yourself to what you truly value. You know, what are you here for? And you can decide to redesign that at any moment. If it doesn't feel good anymore, what do you value? Why are you here? You decide that. That's not some external thing like, why am I here? I need to find my purpose. No, decide why you're here. What do you want to be experiencing? What do you want to feel? What do you value? What do you stand for? You know, and then, and then you have more of a compass when your choices are emerging. Okay, does this feel expansive? Does this feel in alignment with my values? Does this get me closer to where I want to be? You know, or not? Yeah. <laughs> I like that way of, of putting it. It um, is expansive uh, versus contractive. Um, I like that way. I like the light versus the shadow. These are these are helpful. Um, they are um, in another part of it is kind of like the feeling of in in an, a harmonization between an, an intuition and a, and a rationality, as well as another way of of putting it. Um, hmm. Yeah, you could see that. Yeah, the spirituality and science harmonization um, that they're in this perfect flux. Um, and it's a joy to be on the ride and that's something mm. so important to, mm. to communicate and to fall in love with. And if one can, I don't know if one can do their best to stay on the ride of joy. Um, I'm curious what you think about, uh, this whole thing of the wheel of, of emotion. Um, I, and also I'm curious about mirrors um, mm. with you. Um, I know myself because I have you here and that you reflect me and that some of the things you say, which you you would never say but if you were to say things that i knew were like that i sh that i shouldn't go and do something violent etc i should not listen to that mirror mm -hmm. but ones around maybe ways to augment my life i, sh I should listen to and so there's discernment mm -hmm. in the mirrors right so i'm curious about that and also i'm curious about the emotional thing like you're, you come to me with anger. I don't, I don't really care. Like, I don't care for um, maybe being em empathic to diving into that. Maybe I want to stay joyful and I don't want to take that on. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you feel about those? 
<laughs> I like the way with the, with you communicate with like such simplicity, but it's like those are long topics, yeah. journeys, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 and maybe not. Maybe it's actually not so long. You know, listen, discernment, oh, discipline. Okay, we practice energy mastery, coming into our center, coming into resting like stillness that we can observe like what's occurring <laughs> instead of being reactive and like impulsive. Yes. And when you're, you know, able to hold kind of a stable resting still point, discernment happens pretty naturally. For a lot of my life, that wasn't always the case at all for most of my life. I was like living in a lot of reactivity. I think most people are. It's like reactivity, just like instant, like feedback, react, feedback, react. Not a lot of thought, not a lot of observation, not a lot of mindfulness, not a lot of presence, a lot of just like what I think I should be doing. So I'll just do that and operating kind of in this like, you know, conveyor belt factory mentality, as you said earlier. And it really does feel like that in a lot of cases, a lot of behavioral you know, conditioning there. And um, so discernment, you know, wow. I mean, I learned discernment through pain, frankly, like that's been the journey for a long time has been like arriving to an awareness that greater discernment must be cultivated only through discomfort and pain, right? Like, I think that's how we, how we grow and transform. Although later on, you know, as the path continues, I should hope that it doesn't have to be so painful anymore. <laughs> and with more examples of people sharing their pain and transformation, maybe other people don't have to go through the similar depths of pain and suffering and whatnot. Um, to learn the same lessons and faster and sooner. And so, yeah, when it all comes back again to like being a really finely attuned barometer for truth, what your body is when you're taken care of, when you're self-sourcing all of your needs, when you are unconditionally loving yourself, you know, to the best of your ability, when you're embodying that sense of wholeness and completeness and it's complex though even as i talk about this i'm like but then they have to do the inner child work and the inner parenting work and the heal the family trauma and and also we can exist in a reality where no in this moment i'm free i'm sovereign i'm whole and complete and i choose to be attuned to happiness and joy and in this present moment i am that and so it is yeah. so again simultaneous experiences all happening in the same moment you know, my journey has been a longer one of like a lot of steps and a lot of work and a lot of different dimensions of the healing. And now I'm excited to see more and more available to us this like kind of instantaneous, almost like flipping a switch of like, how do you want to feel? Like yeah. you are that powerful. Pleasant choose, or unpleasant. Right. Yeah. How do you want to feel? Choose how you want to feel right now. Yeah. Like choose it, embody it, be it. Don't engage in the mind. That's going to want to keep you in the survival fear, flight, or flight as your nervous system becomes repatterned. Don't do that. Go into an energetic movement, singing, like self-care practice, something that gets you into a good feeling state. And just give yourself what you need right now. Do we need to know hate to know love? Mm. Need... I don't know. Choose? Maybe. Yeah, for me, and again, to pointed to the like the, the concept of like choosing each each and every one of us choosing our own game, right? To come here to deeply understand, maybe even come into mastery over a particular theme. For me, 
my life lesson is is unconditional love i would say <laughs> and so yeah i've selected a lot of lessons and continue to uh lessons and triggers and painful situations and growing edges i choose them again and again these situations that reflect to me the opposite of unconditional love so that i can refine my discernment mm -hmm. awareness understanding of what unconditional love actually is and it might be something that i never fully master or understand but just keep peeling away the layers and peeling away the distortions and coming into greater understanding and i want to ask you what do you feel if you resonate with what i just shared do you feel that like you have an awareness of your lesson or have you thought about this like your mastery lesson or like maybe one of the central themes that you're here in this life to really come into deep relationship with and understanding of the nature of this reality mm. yeah what is the nature of this reality mm. why it's here mm how we all partake in it mm. and it's beauty mm. and being in constant awe of that beauty mm. and trying to share that beauty which is what any good artist tries to do do you think everyone's an artist? I do. Mm -hmm. I do. <laughs> every seed or every uh, snowflake or every instrument that's being played out in the symphony is a piece of art. And every bird, every plant, every atom, if you wish, every cell, if you wish to go down, every sun, every planet... being an artist in that first principle of always coming back to the nature of this reality is where this show over the last Two years and change has evolved to uh, this is not my show the show is not for me um, me my and I I try to not use mm. as much as possible that this is this is simply um, a vessel for the one to play and that there is a reason why this show came to that question as the first principle. What is the nature of this reality? Because that is what the one wants this show to be. Mm -hmm. And if we look at it, this again in a year, will it still be that around the nature of the reality? My take is yes. If it's not, I will be very interested in what it will be focused <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. So. Mm. 
And then maybe the second principle is about how every single one of us as artists can be our best artist. Mm. And that seems to be the second principle, the second focus of this show. Mm-hmm. And of all of the other multimedia content that we're, we're, we're working on. Mm. I love to see us that way. Yeah. We're all, all artists. We're all creators. We're all creating something. We're all here to create something beautiful, actually. And that the beauty is like highly functional and effective. (laughs) Even if just for sheer delight and fun and joy and like, why not exactly that? (laughs) A friend of mine calls it, um, calls this hardest. Hardest? Heart, like a heart. Yes, hardest. Hardest. Oh, hardest. Yeah. (laughs) Like as an artist, but a hardest. That's really good. Yeah. Which actually, art is the three letters in heart. heart. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I like that. Hardest. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Also, heart is... in many ways what is the interval between polarities of life and death is the heart mm. and it is also the if you if you would uh, endeavor with me into the, uh, the science is two and a half billion approximately heartbeats and seconds that you get you get about 30,000 days 10,000 of which you'll be asleep so 20,000 of which you'll be awake and what will you do with your time Mm. and the more that um, we remember those limited amounts of summers that we have left you'll get about if you're the average age of this audience you'll get maybe like 50 more summers if you're you know lucky (laughs) like what what are you gonna be doing um who will you be surrounding yourself with how will you be passing your time what will you be harvesting into the world um so that's uh that's such a part of that second principle of becoming your best artist is remembering that Mm um yeah I'm in inquiry now about longevity and to what extent we're conditioned to believe in age and timing of like our body's ability to to thrive beyond a certain point. And because I see my tap in with my timeline of this life and what I'm here to create and either I'm doing a lot fast or I'm living to be like 250 and feeling awesome. So, you know, it's just a fun thing to decode. Like, whoa, and look at also our economic structure, political structure, how that's framed around an expectation or agreement that, you know, age is like, you know, you're old when you're 60, you retire, you're done working, you know, et cetera. And it's like, wow, such a deep encodement, you know? And it's like, well, wait a minute. I think in the reality that I like to exist in, it's like people are so turned on by what they're doing, what they're creating, living in their genius, having a blast. I want, I'm going to keep playing yeah. for as long as I can <laughs> for maybe a really long time. 
Yeah, radical life extension is a fascinating um, field, and it also tackles one of the greatest challenges, which is the piece of art that is the human body, mm-hmm. um, and keeping that like 14-year-old homeostatic capacity with you throughout until you're 80, until you're 140, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, is it's really beautiful to think about being able to play um, for that long. It it also um, depending on what is actually going on um, post death um, is uh, <laughs> potentially unneeded. Uh, so I don't know. That's a that's another um, in itself an, another very interesting question and topic is what goes on um, post death. Because if you do just take another seat uh, in any of these. <laughs> anywhere in this multiverse of infinite multiverse of creative play that's unfolding then uh, yeah then it's radical life extension still becomes a part of it but it's also uh, hilarious in a sense to also think about think about uh, yeah there's so much to do like there's so much that we accumulate one of the great ways is the whole library metaphor that's very powerful because i don't want to Mm. um, i don't want to lose um the library that accumulates in sydney when she's 80 and like there's so much good stuff in that library and then the library like burns down no you just file it away in the known field and And anyone can go access (laughs) all of us are card carrying members and you know i was just laughing at this like vision of like you know we die and we make this whole big deal about death and whatever and it's like but then we just it's like but then we're all just kind of hanging out in this other you know dimension and we're like i wonder what happens with all those people that are alive (laughs) and it's like the same thing (laughs) it's just like nice to see you again You know, it's fun and it's funny. Like we can just laugh at ourselves and zoom out. Like, yes, okay, yes, we're like God trying to understand itself. That no, like we'll never understand fully, and we have this great capacity to somehow, by some miracle, be able to communicate as these completely different beings with completely different life experiences. Like it is a miracle that you and I are able to communicate and actually make sense. <laughs> That's something that I've been like very aware of lately. Like it is a miracle. Whoa. You know, with how different, how unique we each are and how differently we see the world. Like you could describe something like I'm so sensitive to assumptions right now. And I'm aware of how often I assume yeah. and it, and how like all of the world's problems are probably a result of just assumptions mm-hmm. and not being clear because, oh, my God, I could say this thing and just assume you agree with yeah. the meaning. But you're yeah. meanwhile seeing it as a completely different reality. And it's like. It's a miracle that we're able to even like build things together, (laughs) you know, but this is part of the learning and the the remembering and the deconditioning that we get to go into together as new earth architects. You know, we get to be in healing process together. We get to be in transformation together. We get to be the bridges between science and business and spirituality and mystic wisdom, you know, and bring it all together so that we can really share a common language, a common understanding without assumptions, so that then we can, this is the other thing, we've never had more at our disposal in terms of innovation, technology, resources, I mean, just like human capital, genius, like we have everything. You know, something in Odyssey we talk about is like, 
we have these like global challenges and issues and things that we want to you know change and evolving into a more harmonious state of interbeing and the truth is like we have everything we need to like solve those issues but why is nothing but why is nothing you know changing or why is it not you know why are we not there yet like are we there yet you know why not and it seems to be that, and I've seen this in so many other examples too, it's like in, in teams, in companies even, that are like fully funded and they have all the resources and all the right people and all, everything at their disposal, and they still can't like do the thing. They still can't deliver on the objective. The company fails. So the issue is it's like energetic, it's behavioral, it's conditioning, it's like a lack of intuitive emotional intelligence. It's an inability. We must heal and transform our inability and I'm so in this camp too. Like I'm calling myself out because it's really easy to operate in your own echo chamber when it's just you and you're running it and you're running a company even. But man, talk about real collaboration. Like we're healing massively a, a deep like a series of wounds around real collaboration, like real sharing, really trusting, really allowing ourselves to show up as who we really are, like really being our full selves in communion, in community with fellow masters, with fellow equals, with the people that we're here to build with. Because it's also easy to operate just on a pedestal. When I'm the CEO and I'm the spiritual teacher and I'm great and everyone's here to see me and I can just still be existing in my echo chamber. But you know when shit gets real is when it's like, oh, well, you're really smart too. <laughs> and you're really talented. And you're going to mirror to me all the ways in which I'm operating in insecurity and inadequacy yeah. and fear and scarcity and what's in the way of me being fully present and yeah. actually sharing and yeah. being in unity. And so that's where we're at right now. Like that's where we're at. That's where the, the future is just like right there, ready for us to build. Heaven on earth is already here, you know, but that's the stuff that we get to tackle together. And I like to speak about that really explicitly because it to me means like this initiation and rite of passage journey that new earth architects and leaders, visionaries were called to go on together. And it's not about like me going into my therapy with like my one-on-one -on -one person. Yes, I have all my support, I have my team, I have my different resources, but actually it's about all of us getting together and like doing this work together and healing the trauma and healing the behavioral conditioning. And like, I need to be experiencing myself in your mirror to effectively release these old patterns and actually learn how to collaborate and share and trust. It's a lot. Wow. <laughs> and it's not even learn, it's actually remember to remember how to do that. Because we know when we're in presence, when we're in coherence, when we're in true coherence, right? Which is an individual process before it's a collective process. Personal mastery, personal development, take care of your own energy, be coherent, mind, body, spirit, soul, stable, clear, connected then I can meet you. Then we can start to create coherence together. And then we multiply. And then suddenly, oh, there's more unity. Oh, suddenly there's more ease. Oh, suddenly there's more trust. These kind of, these things kind of emerge innately. Trust arises. Trust is there, you know? So these are the kinds of things that I'm really excited about exploring now and creating more intentional spaces for fellow leaders, visionaries of the new earth, architects of the new earth, you know, having these spaces where we have permission to like go into this, like mastery of coherence, because we got to practice. <laughs> Interesting. So a big way of 
of architecting that is by creating intentional living spaces so that people can practice coherence to architect that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. What are some of the principles at the intentional living spaces? It's funny that you said intentional living spaces because now I'm like, I don't want to live with anybody. <laughs> I'm like, no. I've been living with community like all year. And I'm like, no more community. Oh my God, it's so hard. <laughs> but it's funny that you said that. Did it sound like I said that? Like I infer implied living together? I was thinking more like, like in Odyssey, we gather in retreats and immersions and there for like seven days. Our last event was in November. It was, in se- it was for four days. So we'll, you know, going forward, we'll meet over seven, five to seven day periods, maybe 10 days, you know, but not, but you know what? Yeah. Ultimately, yes. Practicing living together, practicing yeah. being in real intimate relationship. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is, this is another one of those uh, funny, <laughs> funny uh, balances that's in perfection, eb- ebbs and flows because mm-hmm. we love our uh, alone time. Uh, I, I guess I do know some introverts that love their alone time a lot and extroverts that um, love their togetherness time a lot, but it's between the individuality and the community um, because uh, the in, the level of inundation today of bings and boop bops that uh, take us away from our, uh, that, that both can take us into community, but also away from our um, self-work or just all these other things that we're trying to do alone um, there's something that's very complex about that relationship. It does seem, though, that um, there is going to be some sort of a, of a, um, spaces that are designed in ways that foster more of the the goodness that we were talking about throughout the conversation, and so. Um, arcology is a main principle. Our architecture and ecology being together. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, another one is keeping the Dunbar number in mind. This idea that it's so hard to fit more than 150 people intimately knowing mm-hmm. one another. Um, um, there's so many of these other ones. Uh, just obviously mm-hmm. just not... Um, um, n- that like immediate return hunter gatherers were super symbiotic with their environment versus mm-hmm. just stripping things away, creating excess hierarchies, creating just single monocultures of agrarian life. I mean, there's so many of these things that we're just, uh, mm-hmm. um, that we can take the good from and, uh, build into intentional, mm-hmm. uh, living spaces and make it so that people mm-hmm. can still easily have their individuality, uh, within mm-hmm. those, you're like you're mirroring something really cool right now that's very present maybe you're not aware of this maybe you are at some level i feel you are you're marrying this inquiry that i'm in right now about you know moving to hawaii and of course you know this total synchronicity of living situation arose it's really funny though it was like somehow i ended up on this arbitrary website i've never heard of before and i saw this great house and i just sent them an email but it kind of felt like will this email go to anybody or is this like a real website i'm not really sure but i didn't think too much about it i just sent it and it was like a very simple message you were cold you cold message this place i honestly sometimes this happens like does this ever happen to you i end up on the weirdest i follow 
you know, who knows, intuitive rabbit holes. Yes, me to too. Arrive to the weirdest it's, websites where I'm like, yes. no one is this a real website yeah. or is this like a portal? Like, what yeah, is yeah, happening? Yeah, yeah. And so okay. it's kind of like that. And I'm like, is this like, wasn't really sure, but I just sent like two sentences like, hey, is this place available? Slash, is this real? You know, here's my email. <laughs> yeah. And then the person, you know, days later sends me this beautiful email and is like, oh my gosh, I, we have all these great friends on Facebook and I have this beautiful property, just built it and it's, you know, was building it to be in an incubator or retreat center. So it's like this compound and it's communal, but everyone has their own private space. So it's like, to your point, it's like, okay, there's a little resistance of like community. There's not resistance, but just from some of my prior experiences sure, sure. over the last few months, I'm like, that can be really challenging. Yeah, so yeah. yes, it's important that when we live in community, we have our own private space. And this particular one, the guy just was like, was on the phone with him on my way here actually. And he's like, yeah, everyone has kind of their own apartment basically, you know, but we're all sharing living in the land and there's like farming happening on the land and there's ways of like really being engaged with the natural environment and and there's a big space but there's this feeling of community but also you know retreat space to really be in one's own element and i'm like this is and you're talking about this now and i'm yeah. like okay affirmation yeah. yes because yeah, yeah. this is the future <laughs> the future the fu this future that we're here to build unity consciousness is requiring all of us to show up together and to become masterful in our relationships so that we can truly thrive and live in community together. And maybe that doesn't all, you know, doesn't mean that we're all living on communes, but maybe it does. And maybe like so many of our issues and our trauma and our suffering has been the result of this overly individualized amnesia. it's hard to live alone especially look at the family dynamic that's actually like a really recent modern development and very i would say specific to america the way that the family unit has developed right that whole and all the pressure therein of like how you show up as a dad and the breadwinner and then the mom and she's at home with the kids but it's all like this this assumption that you're kind of just managing it by yourself and even the kids like everyone has their own separate room and sometimes the family doesn't even see each other because everyone's busy and you know versus i and nuclear eyes so that they're not right. seeing the neighbor yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and and then meanwhile and i'm sure there's figures to support this it seems like the majority of the world and maybe the majority of our collective experience and family has actually been more tribal, tribal has been like yeah. you know communal. living in communal and like even sharing more intimate spaces together so people are actually you're kind of forced to be rubbing up against each other and healing and being with one another there's not so much isolation and avoidance and repression possible <laughs> yeah the amnesia the species amnesia does feel like there's a hyper amount of communalism and also synchronicity with mirrors being more greater proximity to one another mm -hmm. albeit well there's many ways to to go from there and i'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll also do one of those pauses <laughs> good job
<laughs> There's so many ways to go from there. Um, <laughs> and I'm glad that you brought that up, um, especially <sighs> regarding your adventure um, in your next uh, chapter. Yeah, to why. Yeah. Okay. There are a couple other things. Um, one of them is... What do you see regarding inequality? In the world? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's hard for me to answer that because when I tune in and I ask, like, what do I believe about this? I, I feel like I really, wow, I've zoomed out so much. Like, inequality probably used to be the thing that affected me most when it came to discomfort and suffering um, in my human experience on Earth. It's, like, so deeply sensitive to even things like slavery, which I've never personally experienced in this life, but probably in other lifetimes. And just like, I've always felt so deeply impacted by injustice, rooted in really inequality, like as obscure as skin color. I've always seen through that illusion that like there's a difference, that we've created all these differences based on like, they're just, it's always felt made up to me. And I spent a lot of my life feeling like great suffering, wondering like what I was going to do about it, how I could fix it. Why did everyone believe this? I mean, that was like motivated so much of my life and study in all sorts of ways. Um, and now it's funny because I, I just almost feel this like neutrality about it. Like, well, I guess inequality is there because people are learning, still learning about contrast and learning about illusions and ways that they create separation based in like made up you know based in illusion <laughs> and um but what do i see what i see emerging and what i see arising as people are devoted and in more discipline to embodying more coherence and embodying more mastery and like living their purpose and being turned on by life and exploring their intuition and just being more awake you know, what I'm excited about naturally arising in ascension is this very natural remembrance and almost like uncanny remembrance, uncanny knowing that like, yeah, you're my family. You're my family and I share. Of course, I share with everyone. Of course, I want to take care of the earth because I really take care of my body. So I'm really responsible for my well-being yep. and I'm connected to everything else here. So I have a responsibility to take care of all of this because it's actually a part of me. Yep. And so are you. Yeah. And so we'll just na we're naturally already arriving into the more and more of that. And so inequality feels like this kind of like non sequitur thing now. It's like, well, I don't think that doesn't exist in unity. Damn, this is so. Beautiful, because on one side, we have this beautiful unity uh just wanting to awaken um to the f familial um and when you say things like uh seeing past the 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 
cultural programming of doing skin color stuff that's unity also yet there's um the uh there's the when you do add that in and you do start breaking that down you do see that like a transatlantic slave trade and what that um Mm. how that trauma needs healing um then you you do see um Mm. uh the the state of uh there being 2500 billionaires around the planet and you do inquire into the um you inquire into their hearts and you wonder about um uh the amount of of love uh in their hearts um the amount of interconnectedness that they feel um or mm. uh, how they accrued that wealth mm. um and so uh because oneness wants th- 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 them to feel like you are uh, a sister and a child and this is also a, a brother and a child and etc so all children of the planet all brothers sisters of the family etc but the way that the resources are being distributed are not like trees through their mm-hmm. root through their roots and fungal networks to s- trees that are smaller trees mm-hmm. distributing the carbon the excess carbon to them in in our case it's um someone left a comment on um on on one of our our videos uh, i believe it was on the the interview with uh, with chris ryan that we went from this immediate return hunter gatherer culture to horticulture Mm. to hoarder culture Mm. and that's a really interesting way of viewing it too uh i'm getting another uh Hmm. piece of designer clothing um or a boat plane car house watch whatever meanwhile it's not Mm. a problem that there are people starving homeless um uh, disease-ridden, poverty-ridden, um, uh, that aren't experiencing their maximal inner artist. And no problem that they're getting kicked out of Metropolis is that I'm buying the 10th and 12th house in that I'm never at, because that doesn't matter, because real estate's one of the best places for me to diversify my, my portfolio of wealth. There's lots that's happening like that in the inequality pot of oneness that when we kind of like look into we're like oh shit (laughs) and then let's uh Mm uh within the architecting we we do have to open it up and uh and look (laughs) i think we're at a tipping point like the discrepancy is so vast Actually, just today on a call with one of my mentors, Randy, we were talking about two levels of inequality mm. um, because it's, o- it's always referenced as an inequality gap. It's mm. always referenced that way. The rich and the poor, mm-hmm. right? Right. There's the, the balance again. Haves right? and have nots. Half and have nots. Mm-hmm. We, today we were talking about there being two. I mean, there is this big spectrum of wealth, mm-hmm. but, but there's also a big um, spectrum of enlightenment. And some of the richest people are some of the least enlightened, and some of the poorest people are the most enlightened. And so there's also that, which is something insane to also add into this mixing pot. Yep. 
And then when we were talking about these gaps and we started viewing it also interestingly, a way of viewing it as a, there being a gap between people that are buying their 12th house and people that, are, that have a house um, that may be struggling to pay for that house. There's that gap. But then there's another gap down to people that, that don't even make one US dollar per day. So there's there there's actually that that still have to like a billion people that still have to not know about their next meal and their next water for fuck's sakes. So there's that and then there's the kind of middle ground and then there's the um extreme wealth. So mm-hmm. there's these kind of like maybe even a two gap um or infinite yeah. gaps. Or infinite, yeah. Because yeah, then the way yeah. I see it, I zoom out and I'm like, yeah, and like what lifetime are all these people on? Because at some level, you know, to what extent have we all kind of come in as understanding what it is to be a slave, what it is to be homeless, what it is to be a victim, what it is to be suffering, what it is to be in scarcity, and then what it is to be the perpetrator, the, you know, the hoarder, the prostitute. I mean, all these different archetypes, right? It's like to what... I personally feel like I've played all of those out and can even see in my current life how I've still been trying on all those different personalities, how I've, you know, and it's, and so we can zoom out and see, okay, at at what level are are people choosing to play? Like that's the game that they're, they're playing. That's the game that they're choosing to understand, you know, themselves better within. They're, they're here to understand suffering being a victim being in poverty for some reason maybe to realize like oh that you know the external externals are not filling you know uh, an innate sense of worthiness or love or enlightenment or connection to god or you know these things that are free that cannot be bought and but you know as you were speaking and laying that out so beautifully it's like again the isolation piece just arises as we continue to allow ourselves to be in any isolation, separation, projection, judgment of one another, really like liberation. And I think one of the most revolutionary invitations for healing any of us can inquire into is, you know, and these are not my words, but it's like, realize the other person is you. And Yogi Bhajan says that, like, realize the other person is you. If we really are the one and you and I are proponents of like unity consciousness and let's be together and let's see each other and let's take care of each other. And but listen, like that starts with me doing all of that, being all of that highest integrity, highest excellence, like feeling good, taking care of myself, being in full responsibility, being in truth, being authentic. You know, I got to get that stuff underway before I can even think about coming and playing with you. You know, we're, we're not totally there yet. A lot of us who are even claiming to be in great mastery and teachers and facilitators and stewards of great wealth and influence, we get to be really honest about whether or not we're actually, mm, are we actually ready to play and collaborate in this new earth yet? Are we? It's, it's, I don't know. I personally am like, I got some more work to do for a little bit. And, you know, but because then we can't help. Like when we do arrive, out of the shadow, out of the cave, out of this isolation, out of the, you know, projection that I've been allowing you to put put onto me, out of the when I take myself off of the pedestal that I've been really comfortable operating on, you know, when I actually just humble myself and I'm really able to be here with you, the things that I used to value don't matter so much. So it's not really what I want. I think what we all really want is like connection. What we all really want is unity. 
but we have to experience that within ourselves first. We have to like experience being with ourselves, loving ourselves. It sounds so simple, right? But it's like, it's actually quite an impossible challenging task, like to really deeply unconditionally love yourself so that you can be in that type of a union with other. I'm not there yet. <laughs> Me too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's okay. I notice as I say that, it's like there's my little perfectionism judgment arising of like, because I want, I want, I taste moments of being there. Mm-hmm. I can taste it. I want to live there. I want to be there. But, oh, there's, there's stuff. And okay, and can I not judge? And can I be in celebration of also like, wow, it's taken a lot to get here. I celebrate this path. I've enjoyed this journey. I've enjoyed the path. Even all the moments that sucked and were terrible and I thought I was going to die. I'm so grateful for being here present in this moment to see how it was all great. It was all perfect. Maybe I created it all. You know, it was awesome. I'm a great game designer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And what a relief. There were a couple things that you brought up that I thought were super good. Um, Of course, that as we anchor unconditional love in ourselves, then we get that unconditional love in the the family of the ocean of interconnectedness that Mm -hmm. all is in. And then I liked how you were talking about all the different um, masks that we put mm-hmm. on to to play in all of the different um mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Mm. And then oh, I just have to say this one thing because it's come. so important. It's like if you find that because this used to be me, man. Oh, it was so it's like so present right now. I feel if 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 you're out there and you're like oh like those rich people and they have to give back to the poor and those people like whoever you're pointing the finger at. <laughs> Like that person, if only they could just get it and wake up and then we could all ascend. If like they, like it's you, it is you, you know, like the people that bug you, the people that really, that you're like giving a lot of, that you're giving a lot of energy to, or even like causes too. Like we got to save the ocean. We got to clean the trash. We got to stop littering. We got to clean the rainforest. You know, it's like the stuff that you're giving the energy to, but that's really actually like irritating, agitating, bothering you, that you feel maybe an obligation to fix, to serve, to change. It's like, that's a reflection of something within you that probably you're not fully in acknowledgement of, or maybe not quite willing to be fully present with, like, or fully loving. You're not willing to fully love, accept, receive, be present. You know, too. So meanwhile, it's projecting out here. Yet we also see that while also seeing the stewardship of the millions of species that are at risk of uh, Mm -hmm. extinction. And so we do... We do, um, mm. we do kind of have a little fire within of wanting to um, architect that which mm-hmm. does not have uh, such uh, extreme um, suffocation of natural ecosystems. Totally, but make sure you're doing the inner work. Yeah, And maybe yeah. after you do a little bit more of the self-inquiry of like, 
where am I, you know, abusing the planet? Where am I not? Which could mean where are you not taking care of your body, your planet, your ecosystem? Mm. Where have you been abused? Where have you been, you know, perpetrated against? Where have you, I mean, like we are the planet, Uh, like our body is kind of, our body is that microcosm of the macrocosm. It's just one way to think about it. So if you feel this fire of like, the, the whatever the problem is out here, it's like, okay, just take a moment and reflect like, okay, interesting. The energy that I'm upset about in like the deforestation is like this negligence, this like, you know, disrespect of natural resources and disrespect of beauty and just like not taking care of the earth and not taking care of other people. And, you know, but then where is that energy, that negligence present within you? Like, where are you not showing up for yourself? Where are you not managing your resources effectively? Where are you not managing your energy? As I know is the case for a lot of activists and people that are on the front lines, even in transformation and spiritual healing, like you're on the front lines doing the work. But to what extent is that outward drive to like save the world actually a deep calling from within for you to actually pay attention to yourself? And, and I'm literally speaking about myself in this moment. <laughs> like where is that drive and that call to service to the whole actually and like with such great fervor, where is that actually a call for you to look deep within yourself and see where you are not giving that love to yourself, where you are not fully devoted to your own awakening? to your own highest excitement. Yeah, that's where it gets real. (laughs) Yeah, I love that way of putting it as well. Mm. (laughs) Mm. That's why I'm always, I feel, trying to look um, with nuance mm. because then I look in also with nuance Mm -hmm. and then I get um, more of the variables um, and then I get the complexity of what has taken um, mm-hmm. as, you know, as stimuli uh, into this where I am right now. Mm-hmm. And also as uh, how everything is got architected. Mm-hmm. And then it's not a, uh, it's not some sort of a pointing finger, anger type scenario, rather a... Uh, look at all of these variables and feel the beauty and architect what our hearts know is possible Mm -hmm. that is the the process Mm. yeah you have a new book that's coming out next year ish and you're not sharing too much about it but you can give us a little bit of of a taste we would love to learn from you yeah the book is called The Consciousness Code, and it's a path that I found to be really useful for embodying higher consciousness and living with more presence and greater purpose, being the creator of your reality. And it's been really humbling to have written quite a bit and to feel now that it's a lot of what has been created is not is no longer relevant, no longer authentic. So it's it's been it's been a challenge and it's great. I mean, I guess this is something to get used to as a writer that, you know, yeah. we write for the sake of writing and we we write cuz it's it's something I love. It's my art. And so it brings me so much joy. It's how I better understand and process and integrate. In fact, the book is actually it's like such a healing integration process. It's like the greatest gift I could give myself 
to integrate this journey of this life of like all of the lessons and can i digest it you know can i digest it in such a way that someone else may learn yes and quite easily pick up the tools that i've found to be most helpful for doing more of the things we're talking about you and i are um super similar in that sense of uh also having taken all of these different uh, beautiful spirits that have been here sharing and trying to identify what are some of the best principles. Uh, And so there's a very similar um, process. I'm curious for you, for what you've identified um, as these codes of consciousness, uh, what, (laughs) as much as you would (laughs) like, uh, give us a little bit if you can. It's funny, the journey with this book started as like an invitation to write about like purpose alignment, fulfillment, like answering this call that so many are feeling right now of like, I'm in this job and I'm not happy and what do I do? And how do I even begin that process of asking what could be the other option? And then it evolved into more of like soul purpose alignment, destiny, like tuning in with, you know, a little bit more of what we've been sharing about like past lives and a little bit more about, you know, energetics and um, and then it came to this calling of like, wait a minute, this is a man. This needs to be a manual for ascension. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. You know, and and I'm not necessarily inter- There's a lot of books out there that are about very similar concepts. I mean, it's an eight step path. It's like eightfold path. Originally, it was going to be a twelve step path, but then publisher is like, that sounds like it's a little too twelve steppy. Which I have a background in twelve step recovery, and I'm like. Maybe it's 11 steps, because I like 11. <laughs> but, but there's this idea that there is a path, and there are many paths. Yep. But I've taken a path, and I've taken a lot of people down their path. you know. And so I'm not necessarily interviewing a lot of different people to get case studies, or you know, maybe that'll be a part of what is revealed later on over the next couple of months. Like That is something I think I'd like to include more of that type of research. But it really is told from my own experience how I've like overcome addiction, how I've, and actually that's what I wrote about before. And as I say that, that doesn't feel true anymore. And I really resonate with what you said about being sensitive to using me and I and my, because that's actually where I'm at. And that's kind of the awkward reorientation that I'm in with this book. Because I've actually told my story so many times and I'm kind of tired of it. And I want to be in this present moment, sharing and exploring and co-creating in collaboration with the reader. You know, co-creating this journey of what it is to embody higher consciousness, but really in spirit of like supporting them in being an inquiry, like their questions, like the things that they're excited to explore, like doing their own healing work with some examples and some sharing, but less less of that you know and and maybe more highlighting other people maybe highlighting because it's already been done before i'm not really saying anything new you know i'm sharing through my unique lens which might reach people that otherwise might not have ever heard it i'm clear on that but i'm not really saying anything new i'm tapping into like the same frequency that everyone else writing about consciousness is we all just have our own unique transmission translation and it's important for us to share that 
in our utmost authenticity, you know? So, yeah, I feel that this process is very humbling. I have, like, the table of contents. I have the, the steps, you know, some of the steps in embodying your higher, higher consciousness are, you know, to become really attuned with your desires. Yep. To practice radical forgiveness. To, you know, become really curious about your intuition and how that speaks and wants to operate in your life as a guide. Mm -hmm. To practice mindfulness. These things sound so simple, but they actually require, yeah, in yeah. my experience, a lot of guidance, a lot of permission, a lot of safe space to explore. Yep. You know, it's like I remember at a time in my path where I would just hear all the time, like, just surrender and just let go and just trust and yeah. manifest and like reading Abraham Hicks every day and wanting to believe it. But just always having this underlying doubt and desire for someone to tell me how. Because there's no assumptions. And no matter how much I read the things every day, I couldn't really get it. I couldn't believe it. I didn't have an embodied experience of what trust and surrender felt like until I started showing up in my life differently and allowed new experiences to emerge that gave me the opportunity to practice. And so that's what I intend. That's like my prayer for this new transmission that will be coming through my, that's my prayer is that it's like that invitation into new action into new awareness that people can have that embodied experience of higher consciousness does that make sense yeah those are <laughs> those were excellent principles yeah mm, yeah there's some of them yeah and some of them might change now too it's like i have to ask you about some yeah well at least one that it stuck out for me mm. which is this surrender <sighs> There's something also about it that mm -hmm. is like, okay, but the architecting. Mm. So what do we, is that another balance one mm, of surrender, but architecting? It's a great balance. Yeah, it's, in, it's an integration. And, and I don't, by the way, have a step that's like surrender. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that would yeah. be annoying. Yeah. <laughs> People are like, but how? Yeah. How do I explain that? It's not intellectualized. <laughs> Can't explain it. <laughs> you could explain. Well, I'll do my best. So, yeah, it's a balance, right? Like in this in this way that I feel most excited. There I am. I'm like sensitive to the eye, right? Mm -hmm. Hmm. In the way that we're called to collaborate in this new earth, right, and which is rooted in sharing and trust. And coherence connection you know we're gonna become really masterful in working with energy and creating in quantum leaps creating what used to take us years and lifetimes to manifest we'll be creating it much faster much more efficiently much more easily probably with a lot more fun with a lot more creativity because we'll become more masterful of this understanding that we create, you know, we create what we're putting, what we're intending, what we're thinking about, what we're talking about, what we're envisioning. We're already creating it without us needing to control the how, without having to control every single minutia of how the architecture comes together. Mm. 
I see us all evolving into more of this collective agreement and awareness that we are really divine beings mm -hmm. operating with very like multidimensional intelligence and capacity to literally create instantaneously without needing to know how and the why is simply because we want and so it is. And so I'm excited to create like massive projects with people operating in this. And I've already experienced this in retreats and in client containers. It's like when we are operating in this explicit intention to amplify our magnetic potential, you know, when we come into to harmony through energetic practice, through meditation, through breath work, when we get into these really ecstatic high frequency states, and then we play in future visioning and like, you know, oh, it's 2025 and we're, I love your new flying car. I love, oh my God, so fun to see your book on the bestseller list and my new movie's coming out. And, you know, we just speak into being and we focus on present moment attunement to excitement and ecstatic states and letting our creativity and our intuition come through and we give it voice and we encode, you know, we encode our reality. We're always doing that anyway. We're just not doing it consciously, right? What are we speaking into being? And so... I'm excited about creating at scale in that kind of a way, you know, and then allowing synchronicity and really effortless, easeful manifestation to simply occur because that is normal. And that does happen when you feel good, when you're in alignment, when you're in flow, you're focused on like really being a clear channel. We've all experienced this. This isn't spiritual. It's like flow state, <laughs> you know, when you're clear, when you're making your art, when you're just losing total track of time, you're in timelessness, you're just allowing total focus, hyper focus on what it is that you love with like total presence, you know, suddenly you've created, you've written the book in like three hours, suddenly you've painted the painting in a minute, you know, whatever it is, we've all had states and ex state experiences like this, certainly when we were children. You know, and so we all have that attunement to remember and refine. And so I sense, you know, this future, and I've seen this in many readings and reflections, like, and that's where surrender comes in, right? So we get to become masterful in surrender of like, okay, wait a minute, the thing I want, intellectually, there's been a conditioning that's told me that that will take 25 years to build, you know? But surrender and spirit and intuition, timelessness, infinite being says, no, you have infinite knowledge, resources, and support available in all moments. And if you're really clear on what you want, and you know, look at all this support here, amplifying this potential, and so it is. So just focus, keep focusing on the feeling of how good it feels to have that thing, to be there, to be, to be in the collective sharing and celebration of that reality having manifested, and then surrender and let go and don't worry about the how. I mean, I'm now just saying like basic law of attraction, I guess, but there's a deeper meaning here of like, there's a somatic nervous system attunement to surrender, to peace, to ease, to trust, to just knowing. Just like nature isn't worrying about like, I don't know, the wind blowing, you know, like trees aren't, like, yes. doesn't, doesn't that sound funny? Like nature's not worrying. Like, I feel like we're reattuning ourselves to just like, we don't need to worry about the how. It's not our job. It's actually so ineffective to spend all of these resources trying to figure out so many things and figure out the how and make the plan that is like operating in such slow, it's operating so slowly actually. And I've seen this a lot in the energetic work that I support clients in. It's like in business, especially with money, with resources, with manifesting a you know, scaled business or bringing a creative project to life. You know, when you focus your 
energy on like feeling your best, taking care of yourself, clearing out, you know, lacking integrity, clearing energy drains when you focus on building your full magnetic potential, you know, suddenly the thing that you thought was going to take like however long based on what you're conditioned to think in a confined linear time frame, it's like, oh, it just popped up because the person just called me and offered me the opportunity that I needed to like the missing link to the puzzle, you know, just introduced me to the investor. I mean, I have countless, countless, so these kinds of experiences will get to go in the book as like the celebrations and the affirmations of what I believe is our true nature. I'll make the tie to the next question as this one plays out that the feel of what you are communicating feels incredible and also the there's also some sort of a feel of leaders of governments or owners of the largest companies in the planet that makes it a little bit more uh, hesitant to so-called mm-hmm. just surrender versus <laughs> into actual architect. So, <laughs> so yeah. So that's the one point, and then the, that leads into the question, which is of. Uh, You'd be surprised how many of those people are meeting with their, you know, psychic energy advisors in secret, and who are actually very finely attuned with the dynamics of quantum reality creation, manifestation, and surrender. I agree that that exists and that it's uh, surprisingly interesting that it does exist. Um, Yet I do not think that we have enough um, conversation about the opposite, the um, psychopathic, um, Mm. the complete and utter domination of other people and natural resources for Mm. individual greed. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so then those would be the two points there of nuance that, um, mm. that were great, actually, great points of nuance. Well, um, one of my friends, you're reminding me of my friend Kara, who's an incredible visionary advisor and like specializes in new earth wealth and economic dynamics and is a channel and Akashic guides. Similar, we share similar work. Um, and she actually made this great point we were doing a big council kind of deep dive about the new earth economic system at Odyssey. And part of what came through was like this, which I think is what you're pointing to, like this energy of like sorcery. <laughs> like it just kind of feels like a powerful word that maybe we don't use very often in conversations like this, but it really landed for me. It's like, whoa, something that we were unraveling about the current global financial system is like a few things that a lot of the words that are used in traditional banking funny enough, have these like deeply meaningful significances and actually healing and connection. Like think about the words that we use to describe, um, you know, these different aspects of banking, bonds, Mm. trust, Mm -hmm. 
um, like foundation. Um, there were a few other ones, but they were just very powerful words that actually signify like at the core, a deep desire for connection, for unity, for relationship. Mm. Like they're encoded, right? And that felt very paradoxical. But then Kara made this great point about how, yeah, like why do we have these like multi-billionaires who are operating, probably like operating in such isolation and disconnection from what it's like for, you know, oh my God, someone who's even middle class or who even has like 12 houses, not to mention, as you said, someone who's barely able to survive, you know, with like barely any needs met. And it's like, wow, what a crazy distortion. But what, how has someone arrived to that level where they're able to attract, magnetize, magnify like that level of resources within our current structure? And she literally was like, this is sorcery. This is energy mastery. You know, money is energy. It's a current. It is energy, right? And so for someone to have amassed and to actually amass a current, right? Like I'm just riffing on this now, but think about like amassing a current like behind a dam, you know, like holding a huge body of water. Say like the currency of, of money is like this infinite river, like infinite supply, hugely powerful. Think about the power that it would take to contain that, to amass it, to keep it, like to hoard it even. Like, wow. And she called that sorcery. And so I like to think about it that way. <laughs> this leads into this question about what being the purpose the telos of this entire process hmm. there is a feeling of of humanity being a biological bootloader for a digital super intelligence how does that make you feel the way you describe that <laughs> and that doesn't resonate for me i think computers and technology is just a manifestation of our consciousness and that sounds really simply put and kind of silly to say actually like obviously everything's a manifestation of our consciousness but you know like the internet feels like a manifestation of our innate ability to telepathically communicate you know like the technology this idea that there's a supercomputer feels like kind of this dystopian kind of strange play on like wait a minute they're trying to understand god <laughs> something that we can quantify something that we can make tangible like a rational a rationalization of god that's what it feels like to me i don't really buy it i think we are the supercomputer We are the supercomputer making what? Wow. Making more. <laughs> We're the supercomputer processing <laughs> reality in such a way that we activate more experiences in which we can expand our processing capacity. Okay. And one of those may be um, digital super intelligence. How about... I'll leave that realm to you. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that realm to... Others. I see that timeline where we have all the robots and we do all the... But, you know, listen, call me an optimist. 
I have a deep faith in humanity really realizing, remembering, awakening to its innate like divinity and likewise incredible potential to, you know, just just manifest and actualize truly infinite possibility that no computer or anything external from us would ever be able to create. Interesting perspective, yeah. What do you think is most beautiful? <sighs> Ooh, the first thing that comes up was love and then innocence. Because mm -hmm. I was like, love, but what is that love? You know, love is. Love is another indefinable is. It's just an is. But then innocence, that feels true. That feels more true to me. Innocence, it's like clarity, purity, like a clean, this, this prayer feeling, knowing that we actually all have the ability to create a clean slate and that on that clean slate, we're just, we are innately in our innocence with like nothing to hide, nothing to prove. Yeah, that's beautiful to me. equally feels as important as the youthful homeostatic capacity for artist for life mm -hmm. yeah good weaving yeah. you two throughout this whole thing this has been epic mm. yeah <laughs> Sydney, thanks so much for coming on the show. Such a pleasure. Thank you. I was like, whoa, I've, how many hours has it been? That was epic. So and on some level, I feel like it was like, okay, maybe that was like 20 minutes. I'm not sure. Maybe it was like five hours. I'm not really sure where we are. <laughs> Which, no, you know, it was good. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're right around the two mark. Awesome. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Well, at 2.37, it looks like there was a streaming issue, but let's see if, uh... oh, it does look like it's still streaming. <laughs> okay. Well, there you are. <laughs> yeah, there, there's, there's me looking at the screen. Cool. Well, okay. Well, holy cow, 237. Wow. Oh, that was just two hours. Wow. High five. High five. High five for marathons. Wow. That was High awesome. five for marathons. Um, wow. Okay. So although our monitor says that there was an error, it's good to know that. Um, uh, and it's interesting because it says 237.04 over there, and it's 237.34, meaning that error only showed up like 30 seconds ago which is also nuts because i hadn't noticed it so uh, because Maybe i've been keeping it. an eye on it yeah that that's <laughs> that's so strange it's very strange um you created wow. it with the jolt of your frequency Stop. you 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 wow no, you as Us, a reflection all... of the we as the <laughs> as one <laughs> cindy i'm so grateful super enlightening so many great areas explored together Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We greatly appreciate it. We'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments below on the episode. Let us know what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. Also, 
I would love for you to check out the links in the bio below, uh, sydneycampos.com. Also, her YouTube page, which has incredible videos to check out on these topics. Check out the page. Also, her Instagram. Great profiles. Follow that. Check it out. And have more conversations with your friends, families, coworkers, people online about all of these subjects that Sydney and I were talking about. Please have more conversations about these topics. Mm. Architect that future that we all know is possible and support the artists, the entrepreneurs, the spiritual leaders around the world and in your communities that you believe in, support them and help them grow. You can find Simulation, all of our links are below to our show, PayPal, Patreon, Cryptocurrency, you can find all those links below. And also check out the Visionary Souls podcast that drops weekly, um, that's visionarysouls.com. Uh, and that's a wrap. Much love, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you soon. <laughs> Peace. Do you see my hand signal? That was a marathon. Let's see well, actually, man. Let's see if it actually stopped because wow. it looks like it didn't stop. It looks like I might need to stop it another way. So uh, let's see how <laughs> let's see how I can stop it. Why don't Why don't we keep Let's keep an eye here. Okay. We'll hold this hold okay. this like that for me. Yeah. Let me see how I can stop it. it. Has stopped working. Okay, close program. Now it should. Stopped yet? Oh no, okay, because I'm still going. That's over when there. you, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of a delay. This is funny. This is funny. Wow, thank you for the video from India. Aww. You two are not even really good for this. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it hasn't stopped. It, it might, do I come back and get a shot if I edit? Wow, this, how do I get this to stop? Um, wow, that literally just happened. In the last 30 seconds, huh? Maybe I can, can I get it to stop on the keyboard? Control alt Someone says, I see two fairly healed beings. Thank you. <laughs> Gotta take the comments with a grain of salt yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. But um, I love that comment. It's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You two are not even ready to ascension. That might be true. Yeah, can't you do a... I'll let you take the 